this week on Talking Back, Dean reaches self-substantiation and awakens from the podcast. Talking Back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we talk about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and back in studio with me this week is Dean. Part-time co-host Dean, that is. That's me. Dean, how are you doing? Great. Back for another episode, another week. Another week, another episode. That's how we roll. Sometimes we do more than one episode per week. Did you know about that? That's craziness. That's happened before and it will probably happen again. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How's your energy level this week? My energy level at the moment is a little low. It is, hey? Yeah, I just I just came from a volleyball game. Okay. Um, my team lost and I was awful. So okay. if, if anyone from my team is listening, I apologize for all the hits that went in the net and out. All right. So you're doing some jumping? Some yes. Hitting. Doing some jumping, some hitting, and some running, some, some setting. You got some low energy. Got some low energy. So okay. I'm going to try to bring it up. Okay. You got to bring me up this time. Yeah, I'll, I'll be overly amped this week. And Perfect. I'll try to get you on board. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So... This week, we're here to talk about a little something called the Animatrix. The what? The Animatrix. What's that? It's an it's a Matrix movie in the Matrix universe. Cool. By the Matrix people. Great. Yeah, so last week we did the Matrix. Right, yes. And this week we're going to do the Animatrix. Perfect. That's a great follow-up. Now... It's good planning. Yeah. Now, we're actually, after this episode, we're going to take a break from the Matrix... Don't don't worry, people. We're not going to give you all the Matrix, the Matrix 2 and 3 next. We will take uh, a bit of a break between this episode and then when we do cover 2 and 3. And we will cover 2 and 3. We just don't want to do four weeks in a row of Matrix content. So You know what? They're so dense that if we did four weeks in a row, I think our heads would explode. Yeah, around, that, around two and a half, our heads are going to explode. Yeah, it's a bit much. So we, we thought, you know, do the Matrix and then... We're both such fans of the Animatrix that we thought, let's do that as well. And then we'll move on from there. So... Yeah, it's a neat little thing that should be talked about. Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of this. A huge fan. So, released on June 3rd, 2003. Animatrix is an animated anthology film featuring nine shorts based on the Matrix trilogy. So, this was not released in theaters. This was released on DVD. Correct. And it sold 2.7 million copies and grossed $68 million. That sounds high. Boom. That yeah. sounds big. That is like that. Because well, you know what? The bank. The Matrix was like right in the DVD boom. And I think the Matrix DVD was a high seller. I don't know the numbers, but I think it was a high seller. Probably. So much so that they came out with a behind the scenes dvd on its own called the matrix revisited and just sold a behind the scenes disc and that thing sold yeah people want more matrix people do i'm I'm one of them i want more so what i don't do you know i actually don't remember did this come out after the trilogy came out it came out after the second one after the second movie yeah so we'll probably get into them individually but one of them came out in one of them did show in the theaters right before the second like 
not before the second movie, but it, like it, it came like out the, in the theaters. Trailer, yeah, before the movie. exactly. It yeah. came out before the second movie came out. Right. But this DVD came out after the second movie hit theaters. Gotcha. Okay, so the idea for this movie it comes about while the Wachowskis are in Japan promoting the first Matrix film. So we had mentioned in the last episode that the Wachowskis were big anime fans, and uh, while they were over there, they decided to visit some of their favorite um, anime creators and uh, the creators of, of some of the films that had inf- influenced the matrix. So after meeting with them, they actually decide to collaborate with a lot of them. The Wachowskis write four of these nine stories, but other than that, they're hands off. So a team of animators are assembled to work on the project. Like this team of animators who come together the team of Avengers. It's like the dream team, right? It's, it's the like... dream team. It's the it's the most powerful team of animators you could ever imagine coming together. Yeah. It's superheroes. Right. Like like the yeah, like the Avengers or like the US Olympic basketball team of whenever when they were just the, the dream, dream team. team. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it's exactly. That's exactly it's yeah. the dream team. So, if you don't know anything about anime, a lot of this might just fly over your head, but I'm going to go through who the team of people were. So, we have Koji Morimoto and he was a co-founder for Studio 4 Degrees C. I believe that's how you say it. And he worked as an animator on the 1988 film Akira. Oh, okay. Which is a huge influence for The Matrix. Yeah, definitely. He works on Kid Story. He works on The Second Renaissance. He works on Beyond. And he works on A Detective Story. Then we get Shinichiro Watanabe. He is the director of a show called Cowboy Bebop which is a huge show, tons of episodes, tons of seasons, very liked. He works on Detective Story and Kid Story. Mihira Maeda is uh, a director, character designer, and animator, and he worked on some Heo Miyazaki movies. Now, Miyazaki is one of the most famous feature-length Japanese animators. Yeah, he's like his... His movies are like top of the Japanese box office of all time. Yeah. He's like, a, he's and, a, and they're very smart and, yeah. and have a lot of emotion in them. He's an amazing filmmaker. Yeah, he, he is. So Maeda, he worked on Nausicaa of the Valley. No, yeah, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which was one of them. And then Castle in the Sky. Okay, Miyazaki were, were the movies. the Miyazaki yeah. movies he worked on. And in the Animatrix, he works on Second Renaissance Parts 1 and 2. Cool. Then we have Peter Chung. He's a creator and director of Ion Flux. Do you know what that is? I do, yep. yeah. But I, like, I, I know, I first learned about it from that, like, movie. Okay. That, like, kind of garbage Charlie Theron movie that came out. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and yeah. then sort of later re- realized that it was an anime before that. Yeah, I remember watching it on, like, late night MTV or something. It was, it would always come on to, like, Friday okay. night at very cool 2 design. in the morning or something. Yeah, very, very, cool. very, like, adult-orientated. Definitely, yeah. Really mature themes uh really interesting design and animation and he works on matriculated Mm. then we have andy jones he was a visual effects artist on avatar and he worked on the final flight of the osiris we have yo these names you're doing a great job tim (laughs) yoshiaki Kawajiri. Perfect. The writer, director. He worked on Ninja Scroll. Have you seen Ninja Scroll? No. That is one of the best uh, animes that I've ever seen. Very nice. Very, very cool story. 
Um, Limited yes. series or? It's just a, like a feature length movie. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, really neat. He works on program and world record. And then finally we have Takeshi Koiki. He's an animator on Ninja Scroll as well. And he worked on world record. Cool. While all these short stories, they're standalones, like we mentioned, they're anthology stories. So they're all individual, um, except for the second Renaissance, which is a two-parter. Right. They're all like individual works, but they all fit within the Matrix world, the framework of the Matrix, right? Definitely. They're all telling some sort of uh, take on the Matrix, right? Some sort of side story take on the yeah, Matrix. Yeah, 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 exactly. Spinoffs almost, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But the story, the music, the feeling... All of it is like the Matrix. Definitely, it's very well done in that regard. I think that's. I think that's probably good for background. I think we can probably get into the stories if you want to. Unless yeah, that's anything, no. Anything that sounds really good for it. background. Just laying out like all the creators uh, being sort of the dream team. This is sort of the one where I kind of don't know anything about the background. I usually come with some knowledge of the background, but I haven't really dug into the Animatrix at all. Um, and sort of anime is kind of for all the nerd things I'm into. Anime is kind of my blind spot. I would think I would pick up, you know, something of it, um, just, you know, being being around all the things I'm around and all the people I'm around. But I haven't. I, I know the names of the things you're saying. Yeah. Um, of the series you're saying and some of the movies you're saying, but I haven't really watched a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of fresh for me to go into this. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad that you pulled all that all that background for us. Yeah, I think the thing to remember going in is that if you were on the up and up with the works of these people and who these people are, if you knew nothing of the Animatrix and you grabbed this DVD and flipped it over to see who worked on it and you saw these names, you, you'd you poop in your pants. Yeah, right. Yeah, perfect. You'd buy it and then, you'd <laughs> and then change your pants, your pants and then buy it and yeah. then change your pants. So, yeah, let's keep that in mind. Yeah. And, and it's weird that actually, for me, I find it weird that I'm not even, I haven't gotten into it because as a teenager, like the backgrounds on my uh, laptop or whatever, the bat, not, not when I was a teenager, didn't have a laptop, but the backgrounds on my computer were always uh anime they're always just something from some sort of anime just because i loved how it looks yeah i love how the japanese animation looks um and but i just never really got into watching any of the shows well i'm sort of into it and sort of not like i know ninja scroll i've seen uh ion flux but even not being in it i know what cowboy bebop is because it's that big right same Um, i do know what it is i have seen akira so yeah anyways okay for, we're going to do these stories in the order that they're shown on the DVD. Yeah. And there's nine of them. There's so yeah. we're going to try to get through them. Yeah. We're going to move, yeah. you know, try to move fairly quickly through all of them. So the first one is the final flight of the Osiris. Now, this one was written by the Wachowskis. It's a direct prequel leading into the events of the second movie. Right. Which is why. And this was the one that played in the theater before the second movie. It, sorry, it didn't play before the second movie. Oh, it did. It played in theater before Dreamcatcher. Oh, like that that Stephen King movie. Okay, and uh, then, to and get bef- people hyped for before the second one came before out. the second one came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember going to Dreamcatcher just, just to, to see, see this. this. I bet yeah. a lot of people did. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Yeah. I would like to see like Dreamcatcher's box office results just to see the bump that it might have got from yeah. Flight of the Osiris. Yeah, pretty big. Yeah, that's right. So this short sets up the second movie exactly this the information that happens in this one they're talking about in the first scene of the second movie exactly right so 
the Osiris is one of these human hovercrafts that they fly around in. That's the name of this ship. Now, this ship, it detects a bunch of sentinels above the surface, and it goes to investigate. And what they end up seeing are thousands and thousands of machines. Mm -hmm. And there's bunch of sentinels but there's these gigantic digging machines and they're digging and what they realize is they're digging like what what's below them right directly below them i can't remember like 11 kilometers or something is zion yeah which is the human homeworld, the homeworld of the resistance so the, yeah. the humans who are unplugged or have been born in the real world live there yeah so big alarms going off right away for everyone seeing this they're coming for Zion. They know where it is and they're coming to destroy it. Yeah, exactly. So they need to broadcast that information to everybody else. Yes. Right? So as they're starting to fly away, the Sentinels see them. Yeah. They detect them and start coming after them. Uh, I guess I'm, I'll back up a little bit because I did skip a scene. Just the intro. I skipped the intro, which I think is really stupid. It's a really stupid intro. Basically what it is, is two of the characters on the ship... Uh, they're kind of into each other. They um, load themselves into like a fighting program and they fight each other. And they have swords and it's like they're jumping around and cutting each other's clothes off until they're like both in their underpants. Yeah. And my understanding of it is that they were just, it was like a technical demo. That's all they were yeah. trying to do with this because the, the I've, up to that point, I've never seen animation, like computer generated effects that looked this amazing. Right. It was off the chart. Yeah. You look at it now and you can tell it doesn't look all that good compared to what we see nowadays. Yeah. But back then I was like, oh my goodness, it looks just like people. It's 100% real. For sure. So I think they were trying to show off the power that they had. I could have done without that first scene and like, I, I probably like the story better. But yeah. anyways, as they're fighting and they're about to kiss, it's like that alarm goes off and uh, they go to the surface to see all the machines digging. Yeah, it's basically just the Neo and Morpheus fighting scene, except they're into each other. Yeah, and they're cutting their yeah. clothes off. Yeah, and like like you said, it is sort of a lot of like scanning up and down the body, like, hey, check out what we can do with this right. animation. Look yeah. how much it looks like a sexy body. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a show off. Yeah, so uh, the woman, Jew is her name, she agrees to be the one to go into the Matrix to try to deliver the message, right? So cool. this is like a race against time story. Cool. They have, they don't have very much time. The Sentinels are on their ass in the real world. And then Jew is in the Matrix going as fast as she can to drop this tape or whatever into yeah. like a mailbox. Into some sort of like secure mailbox that they can then pick it up from. Yeah. Cool idea. Yeah. It's kind of like email, right? You have some sort of secure email, but you got to yeah. get it to like the encrypted whatever mailbox. It's kind of a neat idea. Right. So the Sentinels catch up. The Sentinels are on the exterior of the ship. You know, the the gun turrets are fighting them off. Uh, they slowly, slowly rip more and more of the ship away. They get inside the ship. They're um, killing the, the humans inside. They're destroying the ship. And all of this as, as Jews, like, doing her flips and runs and yeah. jumps off of uh, cool rooftops things, yeah. trying to get to this this mm -hmm. mailbox as fast as possible yeah and uh so thaddeus is the the other guy her love interest there he's the captain of the ship cool name he's uh yeah thaddeus thaddeus that's a yeah. strong name yeah so he's got his little like uh handheld 
right electricity, EMT, electricity, whatever, electricity yeah. whatever device yeah. and he's like shooting them as they're coming in he's standing right beside her right over top of her he's guarding her and he's waiting until the very last minute before he has to blow this emp but he's got to do it so he doesn't even really know if she finishes her mission or not he just waits to the last second flips this emp their ship explodes all yeah. the sentinels in the area explode yeah so she gets this tape in the mailbox and then like two seconds later Thaddeus hits that switch and then you see yeah. in the matrix you see her just like falling dead at the mailbox right but she got it in she got yeah. it in and then yeah. on the ship you see the ship exploding totally and so uh, great idea i like it but also this is just the end of the matrix this is just neo running against time while the sentinels are coming in busting down on the ship and they're trying to, he's trying to get to the exit i got i like the idea that we have this sort of bridging thing and i like the idea that we need to get a piece of information to somewhere somewhere secure in the matrix where someone else can pick it up because you can't do it in the real world right there's yeah. no satellite towers where you can send this to anyone so you got to get it right away you got to get it to whatever you've got safe in the matrix but the visuals are just i'm watching the matrix like i'm just i'm i'm, I'm watching the first movie yeah nothing about it is fresh to me and like all this running around it just feels a lot of the same i like the story that it sets up uh, yeah i like the I like the fact that you see the robots digging for Zion, right? That progresses for the sure. story forward. Because at the end of The Matrix, you're kind of left with like, well, where's this going to go now? But now you've got the machines, you know, with a with a mission. And I like that their ship blows up. I like that you get to see that these these ships with these people on it are pretty susceptible to the Sentinels and can't really hold them off. So... I, I like seeing the the ship explode. And what you yeah, and what you get is how important Zion is. So we right. talked about it in the first one, like we got to pull Morpheus's plug because he's going to give up Zion. But then they didn't do it. They went in to try to save him. Now you get people that lay down their lives for Zion. Yeah, like this is how important it is. They got to get that message, and it doesn't matter. Like you said, he's got to blow that EMP, and and like they're they're gonna die. Yeah, but they got to get that message out. That's what matters. Yeah. So yeah, if you start if you start um, the second movie. And you haven't seen this. It's just kind of like, here's the last transmission of the Osiris. And you're like, what are they talking about? Right. And it's like, uh, Sentinels are coming down to Zion. You're like, whoa, that's a lot of information right away. So it's cool to have this, that it's like, actually, this is what showed you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Okay, let's go to the second one. So we have the second Renaissance part one. Now, this is a two-parter. It was directed by Mihiro Maeda. Maeda? Sure. Mihiro Maeda. He, I think that's the one. He utilized some notes that the Wachowskis had. Uh, so they had actually written a prequel for The Matrix. And Maeda took the notes and uh, expanded on them. And now this this is probably the most important of these stories. Because it's an origin story of The Matrix. We learn how this world and the machines and everything came to exist. Mm -hmm. So... This one is super cool. And we learn how shitty humans are. Well, yeah. They come across real bad mm -hmm. in this. It's it's like... So do the machines, though. I mean, Oh, it's no, no. Not... It's, it, it, totally. It's just how it... Where the Matrix makes it seem like the machines are just like, they got smart and they took us over. But then this background kind of gives you like, well, you know, we're all kind of horrible. Yeah. War, warring each other was not a great idea on either side. No yeah. one made a right choice here. Yeah, the humans didn't really it give wasn't the machines just, a chance. Yeah, the machines tried to not just, like, tried to be a part of it, a, tried to be a part of society, yeah. and the humans just said no. Right. So it's the early to mid-21st century, 
uh, it starts out with with man, like human, and we've successfully developed artificial intelligence. And we build a race of sentient AI robots to serve us. There's a great co- a great quote in there speaking to the creation of these robots. It's thus man becomes the architect of his own demise. Mm. I really yeah. I really like that totally. because we if you think about that, yeah, we've architect we've architectured our like these machines that are eventually going to kill us. Right? Yeah, definitely. Us trying to make them more advanced, more smart, yeah. more is actually our demise. Which is actually a, a theme in like, modern day mm-hmm. society right now. It's like, you know, we're moving so fast with AI, you know, what's going to happen there? What's, mm-hmm. you know, some people are frightened. Yeah. So these machines that have been made, they're doing all the grunt work of man, right? Uh, working in the factories and all that. So they start to feel like they're not being treated fairly mm-hmm. and they're sentient. So they decide to revolt. So in 2090, a domestic android kills its owner. And it's the first case of a machine killing its owner. Now, the machine is put on trial and it justifies its its actions as self-defense, stating that it did not want to die. Mm -hmm. So I think, if I remember correctly, I think the... The human was like, was it hitting him, it hitting the machine or something like no, that? No, 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 no. The they the um, machine overheard the humans talking about uh, sending it to the scrapyard. Oh, okay. just like wasn't performing its duty. Want to send it? Tend to send it to the scrapyard. Okay. So in the in the court case, it's ultimately determined that machines were not intended to be included under the word citizens in the yeah. constitution. Therefore, they can't claim any of those rights or privileges. Yeah. So the machine in question on trial is destroyed. Now that creates a huge backlash with robots and human sympathizers as well. And they rise in protest. Now the United States answer to this protest is to use deadly force against them. You know, led by the U.S., the world governments decide to destroy all humanoid machines. Yeah. So they're not humanoid. That's fine. But all the humanoid ones. Right. And they're going to destroy the human sympathizers as well. Right. And at, it's at this point that the machines, they're really, they're too weak to fight back. Mm-hmm. Right. This, we've, we've built them mm-hmm. um, in our image and, you know, like we're fairly weak ourselves. So the robot is not all that weak. It's, they're just made to do heavy lifting. Right. For sure. They, yeah. So the humans attack and destroy a, a huge majority of, of the, the humanoid machines. The surviving machines flee to a place they call Zero One mm-hmm. for refuge. And they they firm up there. And they start to improve or like evolve themselves. Right. They're, they're in charge of themselves now. And they're very efficient. They're so very efficient. They are good at building a society. Yeah. They start to develop highly advanced AI. And they actually start producing consumer products yeah, that amazing. people want yeah, and definitely. are buying yeah. and love. And it gets a ton of resources and money into zero one. Yeah. And it's just the, the zero one economy is like, it's booming. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, it's amazing. And, and the yeah. ma- like humans, humans economy is suffering yeah. at the same time. Right. Yeah. So because of this, the UN they approve a blockade of zero one in an attempt to stop their progress. Right. They're moving way yeah. too fast. Yeah. So zero one responds by sending two ambassadors to the UN to negotiate a peaceful resolution. So to your comment before the, the machines are trying here, right? They this want is to the be olive branch. They want to be involved. Yeah. They, they, you know, even after being almost wiped out, they're coming back and saying like, look, we want to work with you, not against you. 
So ultimately, their um, admission uh, into the UN is rejected and the blockade is initiated. And that's kind of the end of part one. Right. But something that I, I noticed at the end, like at the beginning and the end of both of these second Renaissance parts, um, there's this weird little animation, intro and outro, and it's referring to the Zion archives. Right. So yeah. it's, it's like somebody, it's like, it's like the viewer has accessed the Zion archive and is watching this historical footage. Um, and it's just a kind of like weird psychedelic intro and outro, but in the outro, I, I noticed there's this weird, this weird scene. It was, it was like the machines were working on a human slave and you could kind of see into the, into the human, like you could see the human skeleton, skeletal structure and into right. their brain. Yeah. And then like the robots were like poking and prodding needles in the brain. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom of the brain grew, like it grew maybe 30%. And I wondered if that was like the machines working to maybe change the way the human brain is to accept the matrix. Okay. To accept living in right, the matrix. Because right. I didn't I didn't really understand what was going on here. Well, they're 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 was it the, doing like genetic work on the brain. Right. Was it the part where they were talking about the emotions and the feelings? No, this was like That was before that. It was in that outro clip okay. of the Zion yeah, Archive. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's all like bright and there's yeah, that yeah. woman talking over. There's just some imagery in there. Oh, okay. And it's very, very short. Yeah. Um interesting. And a lot of things are happening, so it's yeah. tough to pick up on. But the last time I watched it, I noticed for the first time. That they're poking at the they're brain. They're probably testing. They're, they're yeah, doing something. tests, but they're yeah. testing. They're trying to enlarge the human brain somehow. Yeah. And it like, it grows. And well, because, like, yeah, that is their battery. Yeah. Right? So maybe they're testing of how to like uh, enhance it, right? How to get the most power out of it. Maybe. Something like maybe. that. Yeah. I thought it was maybe. Getting it ready or, or trying to accept something. Maybe the, the normal yeah. human brain wouldn't accept the matrix right. and they could make some modifications so it would. Right. It's a weird, weird thing I saw. Yeah. So you want to get into the second or you want to talk a bit about the first? Because I think there's something interesting in the first. Oh, go ahead then. So what I, what I really like to think about usually in these types of uh, stories is how exactly a robot can get to a point where it says, I want to live or I want to rebel or I want to rise up. Because as a programmer, it's like, don't you have code in there to make that not happen? Right. Because in my mind, in all of these shows and everything where a robot is maybe seen as sentient... It is not that that robot now is like us where it has, let's say, a soul, if that's yeah. how you explain what is what is in a person. It's not that they have that. It's that we've programmed them so much to be like a human that you've, in this case of this guy who didn't want to die, you program in a self-defense into your robot because you don't want your robot to be attacked by something else, right? Say a dog is attacking your robot. You want your robot robot to not just give up. So you have some sort of self-defense in there. But then you've done all this other programming to that robot that when it hears about being sent to the scrapyard, it accesses that self-defense. Hmm. And you didn't expect it to happen that way. Right. But it accesses that self-defense on its own. That's a good explanation of it. And so now it it, it, it appears to be uh that it has feelings and it wants to live but it's because you wrote that it's because you put that in for some other reason maybe right and it got to that piece of code but on its own right but it's in there because you wrote it in there and that's the only way that really makes sense to me so you would write emotions into a robot because for some reason you want it to be like a human right you want it to you know if you scold the robot you want it to feel you know remorse for what it did 
Um, so then maybe that comes back to bite you somewhere else. Uh, so that's why I've, I, I've always thought of that. So that's why I think he wants to live. Yeah, probably. Just accessing a piece of code that we didn't know he'd get to that way. And now you have all these robots that are doing the same thing. They're like, okay, well, I'm when I'm being attacked, I'm going to fight back. Yeah. Maybe we got too cocky and started just programming things that we thought we'd be safe because there's a rule in there where they can't attack humans. Yeah. But like they say in the Matrix computer systems, rules can be bent or broken. It's because you can access other pieces of code in other ways. So yeah, you got a piece of code that says don't harm a human, but what if some other thing caused that robot to access a different piece of code where it was self-defense? Right. Cool. Second Renaissance Part 2. So now the machines have become too powerful for the humans, and the humans can no longer drop their bomb on 0-1. They need to take more drastic measures. So they launch a full-out nuclear attack that fails. Yeah, because it's like... Let's throw some robots at robots. Yeah. Like bombs don't hurt robots. Yeah. Let's it's... throw heat at metal. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're like, nah, we're cool with that. Yeah. Radiation don't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter to us. So because of that, Zero One declares war on the rest of the world. Now, the humans are, they're basically out of options, right? Like they, on the battlefield, they're getting wiped out by these machines. So they take drastic measures and they deploy Operation Darkstorm. Now we know about this from the Matrix. This is where the humans plan to blanket the sky and block out the sun. Yeah, and this part is actually kind of funny because it's just like, they're like, hey, we got a great idea. Let's take out the sky, take out the sun. And everyone's like, yeah. Well, I was <laughs> like, like, I was like that too. I was like, yeah, well, okay, that's a great idea. Yeah. How, <laughs> how could this go wrong? Exactly. It's like, they're solar powered. It's like, so what happens when you win? You have this, the sun is going to stop your food from growing. Don't don't think that far ahead. One one step at a time, Your world that you're saving is going to be a desert. First, we stop the machines. Then then we we figure figure out out how how to to unblock the sun. How to get the sun back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Some imagery on this, in this battle, on this battlefield. Pretty cool. Well, the, even the blocking out of the sun is cool. Oh, really got, cool, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bombers side by side all lined up and they're leaking some sort of like darkness out of the back and it's yeah. floating up. It looks, it looks fucking cool. Yeah, some sort of nanobots or something. Yeah, I mean, let's, it, it's obvious that every single one of these stories looks incredible. They look great. But also, you know what we haven't mentioned is they're all, they all look different. They all have their own unique style. They all have, yeah, whereas, none of, no two look alike. No, where Flight of the Osiris, maybe we should mention kind of how they look at the beginning of each one. The Flight of the Osiris, um, as we talked about, the, it was cutting edge uh, 3D graphics. Yeah, not great now. It was great still, then. Still good. Still, yeah. still looks very good. Yeah. But, but yeah, but it, not but as good. You'll see better playing a video game. Yeah. Now the second Renaissance is a real neat mix of... 2D and 3D, but the, like the 3D, it's all flat 3D, right? So it's like when you, when you kind of make something, make one of your characters in 3D, but you're still portraying it against a flat background, right. just gives it a little bit of depth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it looks very, very cool. Now, Operation Darkstorm, like we said, I, th- I think it's a great idea. Block the sun out. They have no more, no more energy. They'll just collapse. Um, it's a great short-sighted idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, like you said, unfortunately, it's gonna like totally collapse the crop and plant growth on Destroy Earth. Destroy your like, own leaving, world. 
leaving humans with no food or anything. But they do it anyways. So the sky's blacked out and the war continues, mm-hmm. right? So there's real graphic scenes on the battlefield. Uh, there's some interesting, interesting imagery of it's like uh, in the trenches. There's uh, soldiers kind of watching um, religious programming on TV. Yeah, it's like, right, it's right, like yeah. What what the government is doing is so drastic that people have really taken to a religion. Yeah, uh, and they're just yeah watching watching like a church service for sure. Yeah, what I really like is the robot on the robot horse. Yeah, that looked cool. Cool. Yeah, it was moving pretty neat. Oh, that was cool. So in these battles, the machines keep growing more and more powerful and destructive. Oh, yeah. Humans are always kind of staying the same. But what we get is we see new waves of machines coming in the battle and just slaughtering the humans. Yeah, now that the machines are on their own in their own city, they're very productive in figuring out how to destroy humans. Yeah. Because if something, if they send a wave of something and it doesn't work, they just make the adjustments and send in the wave of the next thing. Yeah. Or if so, it doesn't work efficiently enough, it's... Y- yeah, they make, make it something more, more efficient. More efficient. So they are efficiently wiping out the humans. Yeah. So they're sitting back, just building, building, building. And of course, as we know, the machines find a new source of energy, right? Mm-hmm. An endless battery source, the humans. Mm-hmm. So... They start capturing the humans, and then eventually they just grow them, grow them outright. The machines utilize biological weapons on the humans after they've already been defeated to basically wipe out the remaining right. humans. Yeah, and wh- like who's left is like the kind of the chiefs and the top of the top of like the UN and all that, and basically the rulers ultimately surrender mm-hmm. at the UN headquarters, like a robot comes to accept their surrender and he says your flesh is a relic a mere vessel hand over your flesh a new world awaits you we demand it so yeah. he's basically saying i think he's introing the matrix to them he's totally like, give yeah. us your bodies doesn't belong to you anymore it belongs to us yeah we'll introduce you to a new world it's exactly what the matrix is yeah hand over your flesh yeah yeah the machines they they win they begin to repurpose the humans as batteries yeah and they can grow these humans and they realize through some testing that the humans get off give off more energy when they feel emotions when they feel when they're laughing and when they're crying and when they're you know doing everything that a a human does that maybe a robot doesn't do and so that's where they have the idea that oh we got to keep that mind working because our battery the body can't live without the mind so that battery's not going to work if the mind isn't stimulated. So that's where they get the idea of jack them into a program, keep their minds working, and we'll have that battery for their whole life. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some real powerful imagery at the end of this one where there's a there's a boy outside of his house, and the door opens, and it's his parents, his mother and his father, and he's all excited to see them. And they turn into agents. They morph into agents. Yeah. And then he himself morphs from a child, this young boy, into a child in one of these chambers, these egg right. chambers where yeah. he's being harvested. Yeah. It's really unsettling. It is. And it, and it's really interesting that it goes from a world where humans rely on machines to live, right? We yeah. basically rely on machines to live right now. Yeah. If just power was cut in the entire world, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. Oh, we'd be screwed. Like, we're screwed. We're, we rely well, on machines. When was the last power outage you had? 
uh, well, we had one a couple weekends ago. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. You can't do anything. It went out for two hours and all I was thinking was, we got to get this food somewhere cold oh, yeah. or all our food is going to oh. be going to be gone. And we're going to die. And maybe we'll freeze in this house because we have no heat. That's right. Like, it's funny. Like every room that I go into, I still flick the, the light switch. Oh, yeah. It's just out of habit. Habit. I'll hit it. And then I'll be like, well... Maybe I'll just go upstairs and uh, watch TV in the attic then if there's – yeah. you don't have power down here. Right. So, well, that, that doesn't you work. You can't do that. You can't do anything. You can't, can't, can't do anything. We're thinking we're – think, yeah, we were sitting at home. We're like, we can't do anything that we do. Yeah. We just rely on machines so much. That's why the blacking out the sun is so cool. The machines win the war, but we took out their their way of living, their way of living we, on we their own. We forced their hand. We forced their hand. So now they use us to live. Yeah. Now yeah. they're reliant on us to live. If there was no humans, they couldn't live. Yeah. So it's a flip. So neat. Yeah. Very cool story there. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one. This one's called A Kid Story. Now, this one is based on a story by the Wachowskis. And it's based around the idea that you can actually wake up from the Matrix back into the real world. On your own. On your own without any help. It, it This is a concept that we learn about in the Matrix trilogy, but it's not a concept from the first, from the Matrix. No. And yeah, so waking up normally comes with some sort of uh, assistance. But in this story, this kid uh, achieves it on his own. Yeah. So this art style is very neat. Really neat. It's very rough and sketchy, like line work. It looks like real fast sketches thrown together in an animation. Right. So it's real... Like like bendy and um, things are kind of out of form. Like he skateboards a lot, and you know his skateboard at times doesn't really look like a normal skateboard because of the the drawings are so loose and rough. Yeah, and the way his body moves as he's skateboarding yeah. around, he's like kind of made made of rubber sometimes. Yeah. The way he it's very like fluid, fluid, yeah, yeah. Which I really like in this type of story because he feels like he's not living in a real world. Yeah, so it's drawn sort of like not really real and also like it's kind of really drawn like pencil where you're like this could just be a race like this isn't real yeah this isn't in stone this isn't this right. isn't final yeah this is just almost some... like a dream oh, yeah a it's very dreamlike for sure yeah like it yeah exactly like it could just float off the screen and you wouldn't even know yeah yeah so he's he's got the neo feelings yeah so he feels like something is a little bit off and he feels like he's a little bit different than everybody else so he basically receives a message on his computer the same way Neo did from Trinity. But this kid receives a message from Neo. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he's immediately targeted by agents who oh, yeah. come to the high school. Yeah. So this is now becomes a race. The kid is racing through the halls on his skateboard, cool. trying to get away from the agents. Yeah. He makes his way outside of a window. He climbs up to the roof, uh, but he's trapped up there. And the agents find him. And he walks out to a ledge and leans over and says, Neo, I believe it wasn't a dream. And then he falls forward off the roof. Yeah. I'm definitely taken aback at that moment. For sure. Like, you're watching you're watching a kid's suicide here. Definitely. Yeah. And the only way that it that it works is because you know he's in the matrix. So yeah. you know he's gonna like come out of it because of that well no you don't like you don't because he if he kills if he kills himself in the matrix you can still die yeah so it's really yeah it's really interesting that he was able to free himself because of that he 
committed suicide knowing that he's going to wake up somewhere. Right. Like, that's the difference. Right. The difference isn't that he... He wasn't just trying, he to, wasn't kill trying to kill himself. He wasn't trying to kill himself to escape this world. Yeah. That's not what it was. He knew that if he did this, he was going to wake up somewhere else because he knew something was wrong. Right. Some, someone's pulling the wool over his eyes. Like, yeah. something's wrong here. I know... He kept having this dream that he was falling, and he knew that that wasn't a dream. Like, that's what I got to do. That's right. Yeah, he dreamed... There's a similar at, at imagery the at the beginning of yeah. him dreaming of something falling. You don't know what's falling, but then they use the same footage again. At, I think it's him falling. It's, it's him. You can see his feet yeah. dangling, but it's really hard at the beginning to sort of understand what it is. Yeah. But they call it self-substantiation when you awaken from the matrix. Okay. On your yeah. Own. Which is neat to have sort of this story um, with the next film, which we'll talk about the next yeah. film in the future, but like Neo tells that kid, yeah. I didn't save you. You yeah. saved yourself, which, yeah. so that's kind of cool. This kid's in it. Yeah. He's in the, the next movies. He wakes up on the ship and says, Neo, yeah, you saved me, Neo. And yeah, like you said, Neo says, no, no, you saved yourself, kid. Uh, but they do hold a funeral for the kid in the, in the matrix there, like in, yeah. in his world there. And it's, I guess it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult story. It's, uh, it's not a real, it's a happy and sad one because yeah. he's, He's freed himself, but at the same time, it's um, it's a tough, a tough one to watch. Yeah, it's an interesting feeling happening. this one gives you. Yeah. I I like it. I like this story a lot. I think this story's a lot cooler than the character is in the movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this story, I find it really like kind of neat. Yeah. And then that character's so like you know clingy to Neo, and I, he's I a bit of a wiener. He's a bit of a wiener. That's exactly it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they really match. So again, kind of like Flight of the Osiris, I like the idea a lot and i actually think this one's executed a, a, like really well yeah but i don't really like where it takes me yeah. in the next movie all right let's move on the next one is called program i thought this one had the best opening of all of the the short stories i just love the way that it opened i think this one looks like fucking amazing this is the so best good. looking 2d animation that you will find it's action Oh yeah, it is two D action is off the charts. So this is from the um, production team that did Ninja Scroll, and they also okay. did another one called Vampire Hunter D, okay. which is a real cool uh, vampire hunter story. You may have gathered from the name of the mm. movie Vampire Hunter D. Right, right. Yeah. Anyways, was uh, there a uh, A, B, and C? No, well, no. Okay. His name was. Just, <laughs> this isn't the fourth just one. Just this isn't Vampire D. Hunter D. They were be. just having a different naming system. I don't remember. I don't remember. This one is basically a test, is what this story is. Yeah. Is there's a two characters in a, again, in a training simulation, and one of them is really pressing the other one um, to join, kind of join the dark side. He's doing the cipher. Yeah, he's doing the right? cipher. He he's wants, like, ah, why didn't we take the blue pill, Let's go right? back. Let's yeah. go back. But what's happening is, as... As his argument to her grows stronger, so do his attacks. Yeah. So what what starts off as a kind of funny and light sparring session turns into like a real fight to the death. Yeah. And it gets really intense. Like they're they're riding on horses, they're jumping over canyons, yeah. they're running atop like huge rooftops, they're leaping off a rooftop. rooftop. It's a wicked chase scene. Yeah, and the parallel becomes by the end, it's like you need to either kill this guy or accept his proposal. Well, like that's where you it have comes to down kill to. him, or he's going to kill you. Yeah. Basically, yeah. is is what that one is. Um, 
and that's basically what happens mm-hmm. is th- they never give you any backstory on who these characters are. There's a girl right and it. there's a guy mm-hmm. and you can tell the girl that the, the girl is definitely not liking what he's saying about, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the matrix and he just pushes her to the point where she kills him. And it is so fucking cool when it happens. It looks cool. This, everything, the sound and the imagery yeah. and like what's going on. Like he's coming down with his sword, I think from a jump with a death blow to her. Yeah. And he's screaming and it's just echoing in the background. And as he comes down, his, his scream is getting louder and louder and louder. And then he's just about to hit her in the head with the sword and she puts her two hands together. Oh, it's crazy. And hits the sword to yeah. catch it, turns it sideways, breaks a piece off of the sword and sticks it right into his throat. Unreal. It's unreal. It's yeah. it's so good. This one is my... I think this is my favorite one. Yeah. It's, the story isn't great. It's not like mind-blowing, but the pacing and just the sound and the, the visuals... Oh, this one, I can watch this one over and over and over and over and over again. This one for me was my favorite looking one. And I had sort of one major problem with it when I was watching it. But now that I'm remembering it back, I don't have that problem anymore. Because what I don't like, I don't like these tests. I don't like, yeah. I don't like, hey, you you know, you're new. We're going to throw you in. We're going to test if you trust us or not. I hate that. It's like, we we saved you. We got you out of the matrix. You're part of the team. I don't want to mistrust my team. I need to trust my team. I don't need you to be testing me. Yeah. So I didn't like that part. But when she gets out, I just remember now, when she gets out of the chair, she punches him in the face. Yeah. Because she feels the same way. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, don't test me. Yeah, the guy says, don't worry. It was just a test. Yeah, and, and she's she like, just screw you. Him. Just slugs him. So actually remembering that, yeah, I do love it because that's yeah. that they are also saying in this, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb that you have to test her to do that. Right. You're on the same team. So it looks amazing. That fight scene's so cool. And I'm actually really down with the story. Yeah. Might be my favorite as well. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Next one is called World Record. Now, this one starts out with the best quote. Mm. Now, the quote is, Only the most exceptional people become aware of the Matrix. Those that learn it exists possess a rare degree of intuition, sensitivity, and a questioning nature. However, very rarely some gain it, some gain this wisdom through wholly different means. This man is one of those few. I think this story is really cool. This is a really cool story. This one, you get a bit of... You have two stories going on that run parallel with each other. Mm -hmm. And we keep cutting back and forth between these stories. So one of them is nine seconds long. One of them is like nine (laughs) point. What is it? Nine point. It's eight, nine, eight point nine, nine. Yeah. So this guy is a hundred meter dash Olympian. Yeah. And like you said, that one story is him running the race, which takes place in about nine seconds. The other one is about him kind of in his personal life and how he's coming back from an injury and he maybe shouldn't run this race, but he had previously, I think he previously broke a record I, I and feel was like injured sort of in the process. So he feels like he can do even better. So I feel like he ran the 899 before. He, and then he ran pe- something fast. And then people were saying he can never do it again because he's injured. And so he wants to prove them wrong. And I actually think he breaks 899 in this race. Uh, I think it might yeah. be 872 right. or he, something like yes, that. Yes, you're right. He already scored 899 and wants to break it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what happens is he won't listen to reason and 
He's going to run the race anyways. Yeah. He's going to try to break this record. So even though he's been told his body can't take it, yeah, which can't do it. we've talked about in the Matrix episode, there's a real tie between your mind and your body and what your body can do and understanding what your body can do. Right. So yeah. he's been told his body can't do it. Right. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it anyways. He's going to do it. So that so this animation, this one is kind of in the middle of a kid story and program. It looks great. Yeah. I like it's, it. It's yeah. just not, it's not super clean and tight. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit loose. And I like how they sort of use that in the slow motion running that they're showing. Yeah. Where in a sprint, it's all about like explosion. Yeah. So you don't really see that when we're, our eyes are watching it in real time. You just see someone flying across the screen. Yeah. But in the slow motion that they play it in, it's really like exploding up and then yeah. kind of stopping and slowing yeah, down while you hit the ground and then explode up. He I, looks very powerful. Thought, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. yeah, it was really well animated. So he's in the race. The race starts. He's running. And shortly into the race, his leg basically explodes. Like his, in the like, same injury he's he's had has reoccurred. His like quad has exploded open. You know what's gross to see? A quad exploding. <laughs> yeah, it is it's gross. It is gross. So what ends up happening though is he he kind of trips for a second and then starts running faster than before. Yeah. That's cool because at that moment we get some agents in the stand and they go, uh, we have an unstable signal. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he is not trusting the signals that are being sent from his body to his mind. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't care. Yeah. I yeah. don't care that it hurts. I can still run fast. Exactly. It's all in his head, right? Yeah. So he he's, and he's so determined to, yeah. to break this record and prove people wrong. So the agents start talking to themselves and they're saying like, he can't wake up. We, we can't let him wake up because that's what it looks like to them is he's going to self-substantiate here. So the other runners in the race now turn into agents who yeah. are now chasing him. Amazing. It looks so it's amazing, good. Yeah. It's so fun. But he beats them to the finish line. Like they are just, they're grasping at him as, yeah. as he's running and they're just missing him. And he gets across the finish line with a time of eight, seven, nine. Okay. So he breaks yeah. his world record. But at the same time as he crosses the finish line, he just falls to the ground in the most violent yeah. fall and roll and like his bones are breaking and everything is snapping and it's it's gross it's yeah. it's it's hard to watch and then the next scene we see him in a wheelchair he's like wow well, he wakes up in he wakes up in his pod at that time oh, oh did he when he crosses the finish line he wakes up in his pod and kind of runs like he's he he sort of wakes up and is like kind of running into the wall oh okay and then okay. he then he goes back and he kind of falls back in okay and then they are able to stabilize him in there and right. then he goes back into waking up in the matrix oh, i forgot so that. he freed himself for a second right and kind of was in the pod didn't know what's going on but then they were okay. able to sort of stabilize him and put him back in okay good uh, good for getting that in there i forgot yeah. about that yeah, so he's bound to a wheelchair now, and in the hospital, the agents are there, and they say he'll no longer be a problem. He won't even walk again. Yeah. Right? And he's like, his legs are like in steel braces, and yeah. they're being held in position. Yeah. And he just, he starts to mumble. It looks like he's out of it. Like, it looks like he's been lobotomized. Totally, yeah. They probably did. They probably, like, did something to his brain to, like... They made sure, he, and maybe even did something to his legs, like, broke him even further, yeah, right? Just maybe. to make sure he can't walk again. Yeah. Yeah. So, he starts to mumble the word free right and it's it's pretty intense yeah um 
And then he actually starts to stand up out of his wheelchair. Yeah. And like he's breaking through metal restraints yeah. as he's doing it. And he's continuing to mumble like louder and louder. Free. Free. And then ultimately he falls to his knees. Yeah. And that's where it ends. But this is a guy who is not going to believe those signals that his will, body is sending him. He will not be no. held down. No, he is a he is a free mind. Oh, I think this story so is really neat. cool. So I think neat. like jumping around to different stories like this, like seeing these types of things happen in the world, I think is so cool. It's a great expansion on the Matrix universe. Yeah. Like this is the stuff I want to see. Yeah, the movie was great and that storyline was great. But I want to see some of this other stuff too. Like what are these other side stories? What are these other things going on? It's like how how well the Star Wars expanded universe is. Like you get to see all these other stories, all these other storylines. That's what you get here. You get a taste of of different Matrix world stuff. Like yeah. I wish there was way more than this. I yeah. wish there was way more than just this DVD. That's my one gripe with it, I think, is that I think this DVD sets up like a lot of really cool things that I don't go want anywhere. more of. Yeah. yeah, I just want I want more of to get a better idea and a better picture of it. And sort of as a as a program that the Matrix is like this whole universe is based on a program that someone wrote. And as a programmer, I know that you write a program and it's not going to work the first time. You're going to run into bugs everywhere and you're going to try to fix them. And then you're going to run into a bug somewhere else and try to fix it. Yeah. And it's cool to see that type of stuff in this world. Like yeah. seeing this, we watch Olympians all the time and wonder like, how the heck did he do that? My body can't do that. Right. So it's cool to see like a guy running faster than it even makes sense for his body to go even when his body's breaking he runs even faster uh so it's yeah it's neat to see the machines have to figure that out right oh no we didn't we didn't account for this and they'll probably do some sort of fix after that so that there's some max that these guys can't get past anymore they can't run anymore but it's just yeah that's why i love it these expansions because i have this because it's a program, right? Because I have this knowledge about computer programming. So it's cool to see all these different aspects of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to take a quick break. And then we'll come back and finish off the last three stories. Time for break. Right, Dean, just before we went to break, you were talking about bugs. Mm. And this next one is kind of all about that. So it, Interesting. It, it's called Beyond. It's this one's in more of a cartoony style. Uh all the other all the other ones have been very kind of refined and more adult looking animation. This one's a little bit more childlike, bubbly, which makes sense because it's about some kids. Mm-hmm. It's all kids. It's about kids and it's about uh Someone looking for the cat. Yeah. You know, it's all, yeah, it's, it's like. about Yoko. Yoko yeah. looking for her yeah. cat. Yeah. So Yoko lives, uh, it looks like she lives in Japan. It looks, like, it looks like she's just maybe a young teenager. And her cat climbs out the window. She goes looking for the cat. Comes across a group of boys who says her cat, Yuki, is inside the haunted house where they like to play. Sounds like fun. It does. Right? So they, the kids, they see a rainbow over this house that they're talking about. And they say, there, there it is. It's there again. And they get all excited. It's this rainbows over their haunted house. Mm. Now, what this haunted house actually turns out to be is a glitch or a bug exactly. in the Matrix. Yeah. Another great idea. It's a really cool idea. Where you just, the, the, the 
machines haven't figured out that there's sort of a bug in this house over here and things aren't obeying the rules that they thought. Or it's just a system that where bugs are going to happen, right? right They're going to yeah. come up, but you yeah. know, one thing might do something else that leads to this happening and they have to fix it, right? Yeah. These glitches are based around this uh, dilapidated building and these anomalies in the building are allowing you kids to do these weird, weird feats and strange occurrences are happening. So there's like four or five kids and they're just basically playing in the area. And some of the things that they're able to do because there's a bug in the matrix, um, they're like smashing bottles on the ground. And then the bottle like reverts from smash to hole again. There's like, there's a floating, I think there's a floating paint can. Uh, yeah. Well, there's like a section that doesn't really like obey gravity. And so like they were throwing like things that were like, like a paint can that was like stopping before the ground. Yeah. So then they one-upped it as and they kids were doing and it. they were deciding to jump into that area and see if like they could stop before yeah, they the were ground. jumping yeah. off like the third or fourth floor yeah head first and just stopping, stopping right before the ground and whichever kids stop closer to one right yeah. and then the one kid he stops super close and they're all like whoa wow and then his nose starts to bleed and yeah like no you you cheated you touched right his yeah. nose actually touched a bit yeah yeah uh, there's a uh, rain is falling from a sunny sky um, there's a broken light bulb that's like flickering and it's becoming a whole light bulb again. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the cat is like playing with its own shadow. It's really neat. Like it looks like a lot of fun. I'd, I'd love to go I know. there. That, that's just why bum I, around this haunted house for a while. That's why I like this one. I like this idea that it's like you get these stories of a haunted house or whatever. Yeah. It's just a glitch in the matrix, like a, like a bug. It's just something that's not working correctly. Yeah. I think Yoko at one point she's in the house and she opens up this door and it's just kind of all black. Yeah. But you can see like a, I think some sort of doorway way at the end and then more doorways and more doorways. Yeah, it looks and it's cool. Like, it looks, looks cool. Yeah. But we, we kind of flip over to the agents or it's, I don't know if it's not like the, the normal agents we're used to, but it's like employees or something of the matrix. Yeah. And they get alerted, like they have a map and then this, you know, this area starts beeping red on their radar right. and they're alerted to the fact that there's this bug and they're like the cleanup team that needs to go in and right. fix yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So you see these big, big trucks cruising through the city, trying to get to this area. And, uh, and like they get as there, fast as they, as can. Fast as they yeah. can, they get there, they chase the kids out yeah. and then the kids go back there the next day, try some of these things again and nothing's working. Yeah. They're smashing they the bottle. Yeah. It's just smashing normally and that's that's kind of it yeah but i love how it starts off by implying how kind of mundane human existence is in the matrix yeah like sitting at a computer all day uh walking in a crowded city because that's kind of how it starts yeah is it starts with like the people like thousands of people just kind of like walking the streets really fast like it's like a fast time lapse of it yeah and like you're just going through the city isn't um, that also how it ends? It does. It right? starts yeah. and ends like that. So it's just like this thing happened, but we fixed it. And now humans just keep doing that. Yeah. Like, but they keep like, going over there. In between. In bet- yeah. In between the yeah. humans just walking to wherever they're going real fast. You get the story of these kids just having fun. Yeah. Like having a day of adventure. Totally. And, uh, really, really neat. So yeah. Yeah. Again, love that one. I love them all. But I like this. I like neat, this one a lot. Idea. Yeah. This one's like really low key. Like it kind of, you know, is more relaxing where some of them are kind of depressing and like, some of them were kind of intense. I yeah. feel like this one is cool. Like I can just sit on my couch and enjoy this one. Yeah. The you only know, weird thing is the music. There's some really eerie music It is music eerie music. That's true. It kind of like, which is weird. It kind of puts me to sleep oh. a bit. But it's, it, it makes is me like a little haunted, bit uneasy. It is haunt, like haunted housey music. Yeah. yeah. 
what this one makes me realize um, and think about is that uh, all animals are programs, right? There's no dogs and cats jacked into the matrix. Right. So all animals are programs. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep on moving. Got to. Number eight, a detective story. Now, a detective story was said to be a direct prequel to the first movie. The story is set in a film noir genre, and it basically follows the classic black and white detective story motif. Because this is all black and white, what you get, because it's in the Matrix, is you get black and white and green, which looks real badass. It looks really good. This one looks amazing. I really like it. I love this one. Animation is really good, but what you get here is uh, more more of a gritty animation. Yeah. So you get a dark, grainy type of feel. Yeah, you get a pulpy detective story, yeah. and it looks like that. Like it, whatever you can picture, that's what it looks like. It plays out like that, right? So yeah. your your character is your classic <clears throat> kind of downtrodden detective. What a great character trope. Yeah. Just the detective that has zero dollars in his yeah, bank account. No the money, PI just... that has no money in his bank account is one of my favorite tropes in any yeah, story. <laughs> he needs a case. He needs a case. And then he gets one. And he just will take anything. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. So the guy's name is Ash. What we get is he says he gets the case to end all cases. Of course. Yeah. Ash receives an anonymous phone call and it sounds like it's from an agent. You know, the agent's voices, right? They're low. They're kind of For methodical. Sure. Yeah. And he says that they need Ash to track down a hacker named Trinity. Right. So he's like, nah, I'm good. And then they say, no, uh, take a look at your bank account. So he opens up his bank account and they've wired him $800,000. I like this because it's like the his office looks like it could be like maybe the 40s or the 50s or the 60s. But his computer setup is so futuristic. Oh, yeah. He's got like multiple computers and the programs running are so sophisticated, it looked really cool. That's what's super neat about this one, is that technology advancement, but the look of it is like it's in the 50s. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's it's weird. It is <laughs> you weird, know, it's like yeah. jarring a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's very advanced. So Ash takes the job, and this is where we get some real good detective work. He's trying to find clues and figure this out, and we get to watch him do it. Fun. It is fun. He starts digging... He finds out that there were other detectives that were hired before him for the same case right. that have failed. Right. So one of them committed suicide, one of them went missing, and the other one went insane. So he goes and visits the only one left, the one that's insane. Yeah, I love that part when he says that. Yeah. Yeah. So you get a you get a little bit there with uh, that, with those two characters, but what Ash is able to figure out is that by using phrases from Alice in Wonderland he'll be able to contact Trinity. Now, he kind of gets that from meeting with this guy. Uh, this guy has lost his mind. He, he's speaking in kind of like Alice in Wonderland riddles. Right, and I think and he's, he's, he's got says... stuff like that written on his wall. He says to search for the Red Queen, maybe? Yeah. Maybe White Queen? Uh, no, Red Queen? Uh, red is like... Red Pawn to White Queen is what he ends up typing in his computer, I think. Okay, so he's Red Pawn and he's trying to talk yeah. to White... Whoever, whoever he's trying to talk to on... Um, yeah, on the internet is like the white queen or red queen, but he doesn't know that, you know, that's who he's looking for. He just thinks he has a contact. Yeah, he thinks he's got a lead. He's got a lead, yeah. But what he ends up, who he ends up getting is Trinity. Right. He ends up getting Trinity. Which is like, I think this is an interesting thing that's said in the Matrix, where 
Neo says to Trinity the first time they meet, I thought you were a guy. Yeah. And she says, most guys do. Right. And I think that's the same here. He's talking to someone who's named Red Queen. So he doesn't think that's Trinity. Because right. he thinks Trinity's going to be a guy. Right. Um, yeah, which is another cool thing that they do in the Matrix with the first shot of us thinking maybe that's just a guy sitting in a chair. Yeah. I think it's neat. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. So Trinity proposes a meeting, but she proposes it in the form of a riddle to him. So now we get more detective work because he's trying to figure out what this riddle is and where he needs to get to. And kind of at the last second, it clicks to him where he has to get to. And he's kind of late. He's got to get there as fast as he can now because time's ticking. And he ends up getting there. It was a, a train that he needed to get on. And he kind of like hops on the train as it's leaving the station. He just, right. he just makes Nick it. time. Yeah. So he opens up a cabin door and turns his gun sideways. Trinity's sitting there. She's got one of those, <laughs> one of those, um, like things that pull the tracing bugs out of yeah, you. Yeah, the bug sucker So it's like things. a gun. It's yeah. like a gun, but it doesn't, like, it's not a gun. It's like a tube so gun. He's got a, po- she's got it pointed right at his face. Yeah. He's got his gun pointed right at her face. I would just, <laughs> if that thing was pointed at me, I'd feel so weird. I'd be like, what is that thing? What's that going to do to me? Yeah, what is that going to do? Yeah. So she ends up, like, sticking it up to his eye. Yeah. And pulling that bug. Sucks one of those Same bugs as they pulled out of Neil's stomach or yeah. belly button. They pulled this thing out of his eye. Um, they don't actually talk too much. They talk a little bit. And basically what starts to happen is an agent starts to take him over. And you can see he's trying to fight it. And he fights it for a bit. But then ultimately the agent takes him over. And Trinity well, shoots Tr- him. Trinity shoots him before the agent takes him over. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. it's happening. That's right. And then she's like, ah, you know what? This sucks that this is happening. You probably would have been able to handle the news I was going to tell you. Like, you prob- his mind probably would have been able to be freed. Yeah. Is what she says. And then she shoots him. Right. So she shoots him. So then the agent work, stops yeah. trying to take him over. Yeah. And it's back to Ash. But now he's going to die from a yeah. gunshot wound. Which is kind of another... It's another cool story because it's like, what happens when it goes wrong? What happens when you try to free a mind, but the agents actually, their bug does yeah. work. Because they bug Neo in that, yeah. in the Matrix, and they just kind of take it out and it's no problem. You know, it's one of those things that, it's a problem for five minutes in the movie, and then it's gone. It's not a problem anymore. Yeah, we haven't really seen that. Yeah, so that it, side it, of it. it's cool to see where it works, where they try that bug and it works, and they get there, and it's like, oh, well, we gotta shoot that guy. And why Trinity and the group would know, you know, we gotta take this bug out of him right away, we know he's bugged for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so Trinity uh, ends up then having to escape off the train because there's agents. Yeah. And basically ends with uh, the agents coming over to Ash and he's got his gun pointed at them and he lights a cigarette and just kind of cool. ends. Yeah. It's cool. Cool ending. Like, he's going to die, but, yeah. you know, you didn't need to see it. I really liked how Trinity looked in this. Oh, yeah. She looked good. Yeah. Like, she, her outfit looked wicked. She was all buff and huge. Yeah. Like, she looked like she could kick some ass. For sure. Right? Yeah. The, the Trinity in, in the movies, I, I like her and all, but, you know, she's not... She's a bit smaller. Yeah. Not, she's ripped. She's ripped, yeah. But yeah. this one is like... You see... The first time you see this Trinity, you're taken aback by yeah. how powerful and, like, intense this character looks. Totally. Like you, you very much buy into the fact that she could kick the shit out of, a, of an agent. Right. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. I like it so much, but I want to know why it's 50s set. Like, I want to know why it's a detective story to the sky. Yeah. We see all the technology, 
but we're watching it like it's a detective story from the 50s. And so I, I just assume that that's how this guy lives with the world. But why is he seeing it kind of like it's the 40s and 50s? Yeah. I want to know more about that. Like, yeah. Who and knows, I think eh? it's because I like it so much that I, I want that. I want yeah. to know if some people are out there and they're viewing the world like it's the 80s and someone else is viewing the world like it's the 20s. I think they, that's they might be They might be saying that, right? Yeah. Because if they're getting more battery power out of people who are having, you know, the various emotions. Totally. And you might want to set somebody in a place that they're going to thrive. Yeah. Right? And have those highs and lows. Yeah. This guy might not, like a, a beach resort lifestyle might not suit this guy, right? But this does. Yeah. So. See, that's interesting. Yeah. Where you, sometimes you have, uh, you know, your interests are not of this time. They're of a different time. So if you were actually set in that time, what would you, would you thrive more? So being yeah. a PI you know, maybe being set in the fifties, he thrives more. Yeah. Seeing it through that way. Yeah. This one had my favorite imagery out of any of them. And it was a cityscape and it was snowing. Yeah. It was just this full screen, black and white cityscape with the hints of green and just snow, uh, lots of snow falling. Just gorgeous. Very nice. All right. So we've made it to our last one. Wow. How'd we do it? We did it. We made it to our last one, but we haven't done it yet. Oh, okay. Because we still have to do it. Oh, we have to do the last one. Okay. And the last one is big. This one is called Matriculated. All right. Mm -hmm. This was Peter Chung. Peter Chung did this one. This is probably the most, well, in my opinion, this is the most ambitious story. Definitely. Uh, The idea presented in this one is, is so unique. I think it's the only idea out of these stories so far that isn't in the matrix world at all isn't in the movies i should say i guess maybe with beyond being the exception because it's like a a bug or a glitch i don't know if we really see much of that but this is something you don't see in the movies right i would say there is one conversation that happens in a later movie that alludes to something that's happening here okay but not like like you said you don't see it at all yeah it's just an idea that a idea that can be pulled out of a conversation that happens, I think. Okay. That... Well, you can you can touch on that sure. after, after we go sure. through this. Because I don't I don't actually remember what you're talking about okay. and I want to hear it. Okay. But this one basically starts out and we've got a human sitting on an island and she's got this weird ass little monkey in a jar. And this monkey's eyes get real big and it like scans out yeah. and sees something coming. And he's like hooked into something. Like yeah. and, and his what he's seeing is being like relayed into um people in the ship. Right. Yeah. Right. So what it detects are two machines coming towards this island that they're on. So the human retreats back into this compound where these what the robots that basically come to the island, they're called runners. Yeah, great, okay. great idea. Yeah, they're di- we haven't seen these types Sen- of robots before. Sentinels aren't going to be the only type of right. robot. Right. So, like, what else we got out there? We got these runners, and they got these long legs, and they can run fast. I love yeah. it. I love it right out the gate. Yeah, so yeah. they detect her, and they start chasing her. So she's on the run from two of these runners, but she makes her way into the compound, into this compound. She's able to escape them, like, hi- jumps up in a tube and is is, is yeah. clear. Yeah. And even though they're smart enough to cut her off. Yeah. One of them is smart enough to send the other one to where he knows she's going to go. Yeah. But she's able to. She had a plan for that. She had a plan for that. So she was able to jump over him. Yeah. Yeah. But before, so the runners end up following her in, Mm -hmm. like into the compound. But before they do, 
one of them poops out a beacon. I was just going to say, poops it up. He poops out a beacon. So you, Squats you, a little bit. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. That could have come out of anywhere. It didn't have to come out of his ass. <laughs> it had to like come he, out of his ass. It clearly looked like he, he had he to poop. That. He yeah. needed to wipe for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of foreshadowing for there's probably help coming on the way. Well, I think they even immediately cut to... Yeah. They, they kind of pull back of what that was and they pull into a map view yeah and that starts that poop starts beeping and then they scroll over in the map view over to where some sentinels and other machines start coming that's right we get some sentinels changing their course and coming exactly yeah so you know you know they're coming yeah now i guess i should preface this with this story is really fucking weird so and trippy like if you are going to do psychedelic drugs you should watch this story because yeah. it is so trippy. It is. So a lot of stuff's not really making sense, but there's a reason for that. That's it. Yeah. But, so it's not just trippy for no reason. It's trippy because of what the story is. If you think of what the story is trying to mesh together, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm not going to do a great job at explaining the story because this is something you have to behold rather than just have me. I don't know how you would you. explain it. I don't know either. So I don't know if the story sounds a little actually disjointed. Think, I actually think you don't need much of the mazy stuff or whatever no you don't need to say any of that really i won't do too much of it but basically what happens is these two runners get into a room and there's a key on the floor one of them picks up the key and there's a a lock in front of it and like some sort of cage or something that you can't see into so the runner opens the lock and there's a, a machine in there and the machine comes out and they're kind of looking at each other and then this machine kills the runner it destroys the mm-hmm. runner. Yeah. And then this was cool. The other runner like transforms from like running mode into defense like, mode. Yeah. It just makes this little transformation, but it's like the whole thing almost like turns 180 degrees and turns its four legs into two legs. It's just this real weird little really subtle weird. transformation, but it looks completely different now. Oh yeah. And what I noticed this, like I watched it twice in preparation um for the podcast and the first time i didn't notice it but the second time i did it has two heads like it's not that the head transforms the head flips okay and so when when it goes into sort of that defense mode or attack mode or whatever that mode is um the runner head is now on its butt okay like it had flipped upside down so maybe it didn't poop out that bake that beacon maybe it just spit it out of its oh mouth yeah it's, it's got no butt it's just got two, two heads. heads yeah all right ah, puked can, it up i can buy that yeah yeah better so then this one runner that's lo- that's left ends up killing that other machine. Yeah. And then the human at that point, that, that human girl that it was chasing, comes in and electrocutes the robot. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, these, like, windows open and there's people watching and they're at, like, computer stations and they're all clapping yeah, and applauding. Like, and like, yeah, good job. Great job. Well, well done. done. She's uh, like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So this was their whole plan and plot yeah. to catch and trap one of these machines yeah so so they start conversing about whether they should reprogram it or not this is very yeah this is very interesting conversation yeah so they're they're deciding if they should reprogram it to make it a slave now this is apparently what this group of people are doing they're catching machines Mm -hmm. they're reprogramming them to serve them to protect them so it's very cool. So yeah, like like you said, go ahead and say now what well, you wanted to say about the the, the woman says we can't make it a slave. We we can't just make it 
the machines are slaves because like, where does that get us? That's where we were, right? We have to, we have to have, try to bring them in to our, like be allies with us. Yeah. Live, live with us. She says the machines need to choose to stop the war. Yeah. So making them slaves isn't going to win the war. That's just oppression. So what are they going to do? They're going to get better at whatever they get better at and beat us again. You can't just make them slaves and oppress them. You have to convince them that we can live together. Right. So they want to give this machine the option to choose what it's going to do. Yeah. Real interesting. Real interesting idea. Especially when we get into later movies. Yeah. They're really focused on choice. Yeah. So they plug this machine into... Uh, program of their making yeah and this is where it gets real weird weird and trippy yeah yeah because what you're kind of seeing is like a matrix for a machine yeah what that might look like totally and they're giving it little tests and trials and visuals and they're trying to explain things to the machine in a way that the machine will understand but it doesn't make sense to us not really it's very it's very I think they're weird. basic it, what I tr- tried to understand following it is that they're trying to show the machine that maybe other machines do things one way and it could be destructive but humans have different sides to them. Humans have like emotional sides and they can be fun yeah. and they can be helpful and they can have your back whereas a machine has a mission and that's all the machine does. Yeah. Just trying to show them that like humans aren't all bad. Yeah. So in this program, the machine actually ends up shedding its machine form Mm -hmm. and gets a humanoid form. Mm -hmm. And it looks pretty cool. He's like this, he's all, he's chosen gold, I guess, or he, it's not a he, it, it chose the color gold. And while it looks humanoid, it doesn't look like the other humanoids that are there, that these, the way that these humans are representing themselves, it still does look quite different, but it has taken humanoid form. But then this whole program which went for a while, it gets interrupted by an alarm going off. So the sentinels from the poop beacon have come to the island finally. They smash through through the the window. window. And you know what this was? When they smashed through this window, this is what we wanted out of Jaws 3D. This is exactly... This is how we want that shark to smash through the window. Because that thing came through like a freight train. Glass went everywhere that's the way to do it it came with speed and destruction it was a force that would not be stopped and you know what this was an actual drawing that looked better than the jaws three shark smashing through that yes which i'm pretty sure that jaws three shark is just a drawing of a shark that was enlarged as right. it got into simulated. I think you were right when you said that before. It's just yeah. a picture that's being it's scaled. It's just a picture that's being scaled up. Anyways, so the humans, they have machines to protect them, right? Because they've they've reprogrammed some of these machines that they've trapped. So we get a fight here between machines. And it's pretty cool. So it is, yeah. Machines are fighting machines, and machines are fighting the humans. Um, but ultimately at the end, it's just down to a sentinel and the main girl from the beginning. Her name is Alexa. Now she's pleading with the runner mm-hmm. to help. Whose eyes have turned green now from red. Oh, I didn't notice that. After he comes out of the, after like this program gets interrupted and he comes out, his eyes are green instead okay. of red. So the runner had been kind of, while all this fighting had happened, he was still kind of out of it. Yeah. Like he wasn't unplugged from the, 
the uh, the, right. the the program yet. Yeah, he's still plugged in. But she she does something to kind of like alert him, and maybe she unplugs him or something. But then he kind of looks around and sees what's happening, and she starts pleading with him, right? And like this, the Sentinel now has Alexa and is taking off with her. The runner just grabs the Sentinel and destroys it. Yeah, like really easily. It's really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. I think Alexa had been injured though. Yeah. Um, I think it. I think it had probably crushed her pretty good, and then. She's not in great shape, but the runner grabs Alexa and plugs itself and Alexa yeah. back into the program. Very interesting. Because it liked what was happening yeah. in there. Yeah. Alexa wakes up in the program, realizes she's in there with the runner. She's, she's terrified. Yeah. She starts screaming, ultimately rejects it and dies. Yeah. And I feel sad for the runner totally. here. Like... Definitely. They're trying to give him this opportunity to kind of show humanity and he, he gets does. the chance to do it. Yeah. And then she rejects him. And then he wants and everyone's yeah. dead. He wants to go back into a level like into a level playing field, basically, right? He wants to go back into the matrix where they were kind of the same. They both look kind of weird. Like yeah. she didn't really look like a human. She looked kind of machine like and he was machine like and he wants to go back into that and like yeah. finish that up. Yeah. I mean, she, we've all experienced she screams and yeah. yeah we've all experienced rejection but not like that <laughs> <laughs> the runner, she shrieked yeah. and died no, no. she'd rather she'd rather be dead than in the program with i've him. experienced a lot of rejection but never the shriek and die i've never the, experienced that the one harshest, that's the ultimate the yeah. harshest form of rejection the shriek and die. but the story ends kind of nice where we get the runner sitting out where alexa used to sit and he's out there watching yeah cool imagery in the end it's cool now it's interesting because so like, I don't know. Is he waiting for more yeah, runners I don't know so what that he's he doing. can show them like the way? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea what he's doing there. I don't know if he's going to do that. Like if he's trying to convert more robots or if he picked up a part of Alexis' consciousness. And that's just what she does sitting out there. Yeah. So that's just what he's doing. He's just doing it because she Interesting, did it, yeah. Right? Like I don't know if, I don't know what it is. They were but... all kind of plugged in together into the same thing. So maybe yeah, he yeah, got maybe... something from her. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? They don't really say, but it just kind of yeah. ends there. But it's, it's cool. like this, it's a yeah. kind of a sweet ending. Yeah. And yeah, great animation. Again, this one was a mix of 2D and 3D. Like the robots were all 3D. The characters, I think were all 2D. Yeah. Looked really good. Very psychedelic, very trippy, but very beautiful yeah. and a real cool story. So that's it for the stories. What was your favorite? We kind of talked about our favorites, but. What's... I think my favorites are. Actually, I think my favorite might be Detective Story. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, Detective Story and Program. Yeah. Because I love how Program looks and. Yeah. I'm going to go with Program for yeah. myself. Yeah. They're, bo- they're both great. Yeah. All right. Well. Anything else you want to say on those? Uh, no, just that I, I think we've mentioned it a couple times, but I love this sort of expanded universe idea. Yeah. At, at this point, there was just one movie and they knew they were going to make some more and they went out and made some animated tie-ins to it. It's kind of comic booky, yeah. right? To make tie-ins to something. And I really enjoyed it. And I, like you, wish there was more. I wish there was yeah. more than this. Um, and more expansion on these ideas. I think they're great ideas and I want to learn more about them. Yeah. If anybody listening has seen the matrix and likes the matrix, but hasn't seen this, you have to see this. It's excellent. You'll love it. So let's get to what if.
if Dean. Yes. What if, what if in the movies after one in two and three? Okay. What if they had incorporated the idea that we're given in matriculated? What if the humans, even if the humans turned a single machine on their side, what does that look like? Like, what if this, you could, you could do it in a few ways. It could be, it could be a soldier for you. It could be, it could be almost like a pet, like a sidekick, you know, you could give it human personality traits that, that the viewers can bond with. Like, could this have been a good character in the movie? Would this idea have I think flown? A, I think appealing to the machine to join your side uh, is a really neat concept. Uh, I'm not sure how it would have fit into the movies. I'm not sure if it would have made the movies feel a little cheap. Whereas I like it as a side story and like, this is what some people are doing. I don't know if our main characters would do this. Because I've seen the movies and I've seen like where they go with it and I like where they go with it, I actually don't think it fits in at all with that. But I like the idea a lot. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what that would look like. I think the whole like pet route wouldn't be good. Yeah. Um, making it a, a cheap, kind of cheesy character like that wouldn't be good. I think if you if they had turned a sentinel and a sentinel was on their side and was able to show some traits of humanity, like knowing that in certain situations humans were in trouble and saving them. I think if there was a, a machine like that, that we could have feelings and emotions for, I think that helps the story in the long run with this idea that machine and man need to live together. Right. Definitely. It's, yeah. it's, it's so far, it's just one sided. It's like, man versus machine and machine kind of like integrating man into their forced construct. But we don't get the other part of that of like human kind of integrating machine into their world. And I think if you had a character who was with them for a while that ultimately gets destroyed in the heat of the Zion battle, I think it would actually do a lot for the movie. Like, I think I could really get on board with that character. Yes. Like, just the way that, the way that Agent Smith, you know, had become my favorite character, I think you could do stuff with a machine in the human world. Yeah, I think your point of it being there for a while is crucial. Because as I've seen sort of the rest of the movies, this sort of idea would never be what the council goes for, right? It would never be, yeah, let's try to turn them. They would just think, let's try to defend this city. Like, it would just never make sense to me. That's that a great they, point. That they would ever want to do that. So it, you'd have to do it like one of the ships had freed exactly. a sentinel. Exactly. And this sentinel go like flies with the ship and protects it or helps hide it or let's just like does stuff with it. That, I think that would be really, really neat. Totally. And it's actually how the movie, how the movie works right now with the Nebuchadnezzar. Morpheus, like comes to back to Zion and he says, I have the one, I have our savior. I have the end to the war. You have another ship come back and be like, we turned a sentinel. He's on our side. We know the end to the war. Right. I like that. It's it's like a competing ideas because Morpheus to everyone else is just some like radical, right? He's just some religious nut who doesn't know what he's talking about. Some people believe in it. Some people don't. Yeah. Some people just need to defend. 
But some people are like, yeah, maybe this would help. Maybe there is the one. Maybe the prophecy's right. Right. It'd be cool that ship coming back with the Sentinel and people it'd, would freak out. It'd and, be really neat. Yeah, I think it could be. And it could be work. like, it's on our side, and we could do this. We right. could we could live together. We just have to appeal to them instead of fight them. Right. And so what the part the when I when I alluded to one conversation that happened in the second movie yeah. about this, mm-hmm. it's when Neo was, you know, up all night, and so he was just um, hanging out in Zion. And the, I don't know, I don't that know. That old guy. That old guy yeah. comes up to him and they're, he also can't sleep. And he's like, right. let me show you the, uh, the engine, engineering, the engine, room, engineering room. And they go down and they look at all the machines and he's like, look at this. We're afraid of machines, but they keep us alive. Right. And Neo says like, oh, it's different. Um, you know, we, we have control over these ones. And he's like, oh, really? Like, why aren't you, why aren't we afraid of these ones? Cause we can shut them down. So is it just that we have power over them? That's why we're not afraid of them? Right. So all it's about is power. It's just power struggle. Yeah. Who has power over who? Right. Who can kill the other person instantly? And that's who has, you know, that's who's on top. That's who has control. It has nothing to do with living together. No one ever talks about living together with machines. Right. Us having a water recycling machine isn't living together with a machine. That's enslaving the machine to do whatever we want it to do. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, the only moment where that kind of thing is talked about with that with that old guy who is always like, he's always giving like a sly look to Neo and he's like, Oh, okay. Is that it? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Where he knows something else is going on. He knows like, maybe if we tried to live together, yeah. we'd be able to figure this out a bit better. Yeah. Like I, I get like the, the philosophy behind their conversation. But yeah. I mean, ultimately Neo's not afraid of that, of those machines because they're not like sentient and, and they're not artificial intelligence, right? They're not thinking for themselves. They're just something you plug in and they're just doing. Yeah. Right. So which, there's which a bit he, of a difference there. Yeah. No, totally. If but, that, if that, if that, whatever, if those engines or whatever were like self-aware and could stand up and revolt if they wanted to, you'd probably be afraid of those things, you know, but it's just totally, it's a yeah. different type of machine. Right. Yeah. But anyways, I think that's good. Yeah. We, we did it again. It. I want the uh, I want that Sentinel character now. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Brian could voice him in the. Next I was just movie. gonna say yeah. he could be named Brian at least. Yeah, he could be voiced. He could be Brian voiced could by voice Brian. In yeah, That'd Matrix Four. Good. Matrix Four. Matrix Four. Brian, we should get Brian to the casting call. <laughs> <laughs> he might be able to be a Sentinel. He's pretty busy. I've got him. <laughs> he's got a lot of pods. To... He's like he's my machine slave. Oh, no, to say damn. it, but he's doing a lot of work for me. Damn. Yeah. Do you pay him? No. Oh, no. no. He doesn't get paid. <laughs> he may revolt. He No, no, I got him under You control. got no self-defense on him. <laughs> <laughs> I've blacked out the sky <laughs> in the studio, so <laughs> we're good. But, uh, all right. Uh, Dean, you did a great job for coming in with low energy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's... Uh, thanks. Good. You taught me a lot about these, uh, these Animatrix films, which I didn't know much about. Like, I watched them a couple times, but I didn't know any of the background. So, great. Uh, thank you for bringing that to me. Great. Well, I hope uh, our listeners enjoyed it as well. So, we'll catch y'all next time. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.